Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Well, good morning everybody. And uh, as has been my custom for the last few weeks, I want to ask you that question again. Why did you come to church today? Now, that's a broad question, but I'm really setting you up for something. You see, there's kind of wrong reasons or not so good reasons. And they include, well, I feel guilty if I don't, or, you know, maybe the Lord won't be happy if I don't. And, you know, those kind of reasons we grew up with in uh, institutional Christianity. But the question still is worth asking, why do we come? Because for a lot of people, it could just be routine. It could be because... I need to ask somebody for a favor, or I need to ask somebody to pay my bus fare to Joburg because my brother's waiting for me in Joburg. So there are reasons people go to churches, okay? I hope that's not the only reasons you come here this morning. What are the reasons? Number one, we have a community that we believe with. You remember those three? It's nothing new. Ever since Gavin shared a couple of weeks back, we've been reminding the church, fanning that up week after week. Number one, that we got something that we believe together when I meet with fellow believers. There's a reason you call it a believer. It's because we're building our faith. And in the songs and in the prophetic words and in the teaching of the scripture, I have an opportunity to come into agreement with something. And when I agree, I'm building my faith. Now, I'm a believer in private, but when I come into the gathering and I believe with a broader body in the local church, my faith is built up in the things I believe. So we looked last week at at faith as a noun, because faith is both a noun and a verb. As a noun, it's, it's in a sentence like this, he was persecuted for his faith. His faith is his Christ. Christianity, it's a noun. Um, We have a strong faith. It's our belief. It's our Christianity as opposed to other worldviews. And we looked last week at the importance of, of reiterating through the creeds, through God our Father, Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one, where for 2,000 years the church has been declaring those foundational doctrinal truths of the faith. And today I want to move on to the verb. But before I do, that's the first reason we gather as a church. The second reason is we love one another. I've got a family where I'm loved, where I'm accepted. We're like Peter said this morning, where I can come and do what the Scripture says, confess your faults to one another that you may be healed. The few weeks leading up to the conference, we were doing a series on love in the church. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, love is not envious, love is not greedy, love is not all about me, me, ma, ma, and and myself, and Irene. Thank you for that hallelujah. I got one hallelujah this morning. That was awesome, man. And, and so love is not about rehearsing the same old jealousy and envy and anger, those records that we need to destroy. But 
when I come into a community, his word is love one another, accept one another. That means we care for one another. That means we have communities with one another. And then the third reason why we come to church is because the church is the institution through which Christ is demonstrating his kingdom on earth by souls being saved and converts being discipled. That is the mission. Jesus' last words are our first priority, the Great Commission. So that's why I came to this church this morning. And I'm quite glad I did, other than being the pastor, yeah? I've got people to love. I've got people to believe with. And I've got people that share a like-minded mission that can change this world. That is the only long-term solution for all the world's chaos and disaster is the name of Jesus and surrendering lives to Him to be Lord and the forgiver and cleanser of our separation from God and to co-buried, co-resurrected and to be co-exalted into the very throne room of God where my worship comes from a place of having been in Christ and saved and spotless and justified and righteous. Amen. So thank you for coming and joining us this morning. That was a long introduction, Steve. Well, are you getting it? So you've got a good reason to come to church. So if I meet you in the street and I'll ask you, will you know why? Okay. See, I'm a slow learner, so I assume other people are slow learners and they need repetition. Well, like I said, faith is both a noun, what we co-believe, and faith is a verb. Today we're going to look more around the verb. Faith is a doing thing. It's you are a believer. There is an action involved. We are co-believers. There's something we do together that's called believing. Say believing. And in Hebrews 11 verse 1 it says, Now faith is the substance of the thing hoped for, the evidence of the thing not seen. Uh, I needed a gap between those two verses. Or was it too late, Steve? Um, so, do you have some things you hope for? Okay. That's good. We should hope. We should hope we're going to get better. We should hope that our child's going to pass matric. We should hope that they'll eventually move out and pay their own rent. We should, you know, there's nothing wrong with hope. But what Paul is saying in this scripture is that faith is actually more than that, more than just hope. It's the substance of the thing hoped for. It's like faith is the ability of the mind to see things that the natural eyes can't see. Faith is like the title deed you've already got, but you don't have it tangibly. But it's a knowing that you have it already. So faith is their substance. It's not just a mystical something floating around in nowhere land, but it's an actual something. Faith is the ability of the mind to see things that the eye doesn't see. We see, for we walk by faith and not by sight. While we do not look at the things, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, they are 
eternal. Can you say amen? So we see that faith as a verb is dependent on believing something that I don't see yet. And that's why it's called faith. Because faith is not what I see. I walk by this thing called faith. It's the knowing that my mind is capable of seeing something that my natural eyes don't see yet. And there's another word for that. It's called imagination. It's called vision. It's called visualizing. It's being able to see at another level. When someone says, I sensed this morning, or I saw this morning angels walking around this place, what are they doing? They're using their God-given imagination, their sanctified imagination. Because imagination can be evil and good. It can be just the leftover of too much pizza the night before, or it can be a real engagement. Where you read the scripture, you read about Jesus feeding the multitude. You don't just read words. You see a story. You see a picture. You envision something. You meditate. And it's on that meditation that faith comes to your heart. Not just on reading words. The words themselves have no power. It's as you apply this faith to it that the mind can see things that the natural eye is not seeing that it happens. And that's called the walk of faith. And that's what you've been called to. That's what I've been called to. It's not just a walk determined by the natural things that are appealing to my senses, what I taste, what I smell, what I see. But it's almost like God gave us a sixth sense as believers. And it's that we believers. And we walk by faith and not by sight. A Oxford Dictionary definition of imagination. The faculty or action of forming new ideas. Or images or concepts of external objects not present to the senses. Isn't that an interesting definition? And vision. Definition, Oxford Dictionary definition of vision. The ability to think about, to think about, think about, or plan the future with imagination. We've just looked at imagination. With imagination or wisdom. It's application of imagination and experience. A mental image of what the future will or could be like. An experience of seeing someone or something in a dream <laughs> or in a trance. And I'm interesting to add this as well as a supernatural apparition. That's quite interesting. See how closely the workings of Walking by faith and not by sight, allowing my imaginations to see things that my eyes don't see, is an, a faculty that God has created us with. Just because psychologists discover these things and put them into books doesn't mean they invented them. You know? They only found out about 80 years ago the connection between hygiene and infection. It doesn't mean the doctors invented it, they just discovered it. Okay? Electricity was there long before it was discovered. And all that they are understanding is that there's another realm of experience that is not the five senses. But there's this other sense. As believers, we are given, and it's to believe. It's to believe something we don't see. 
Well, I got excited about that when I saw that. Listen to the words of the ancients. Blessed, say blessed, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates. What is meditation? It's mulling over and over. It's percolating a, a, a picture in your heart of, of the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord takes care of his children. There's a blessing to, on meditating. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall meditate on a day and night that you may observe to do all according to all that is written. For then you will make your way, say, prosperous, and then you will have good success. So being blessed, being prosperous, and living in good success is something that God wants us. That comes from a place of what we meditate on. We're always moving in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. If we continue mulling negativity around, negativity around, neg we're just waiting for something to agree with it. But if we change the things we meditate on, and we meditate on the goodness of God, the graciousness of God, the kindness of God, then we're also looking for things that will confirm that. And then people find it strange that we say amen to some things that we haven't seen yet. But that is very much being a believer, living in the sixth sense, visualizing what God says has already happened. You see, a, a Christian without believing is like a motor without electricity. It looks very good on the outside, but it doesn't get much done. You have got electricity in you. It's this sixth sense. It's this faith, this imagining things that are not as if they are. We see that there's a positive and a negative way. And Paul writes and says his prayer for them was that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That they would know what is the hope of his calling. Which are the riches of the glory. Look what he's praying while their eyes should be enlightened. Verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power. His prayer was that the eyes of the heart would be enlightened. We all love singing that over and over. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes. It was a nice melody and a nice song, but I tell you what, it makes a better prayer. When we start saying, Lord, I can't just fix my eyes on the temporal. I can't just fix my eyes on things that are passing away. I can't just keep my eyes on the sense realm. I've got to get your picture in my mind of what can be. I fill my mind with a picture from the scriptures of what God is like. And then I project that into my future. And someone says, oh, that's just visualization. Of course it's visualization. How else do you think faith works? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's good to have things to hope for. But if you don't plan to have faith with them, they will just be hoped for and hoped for and hoped for. And it can be, obviously we know that imagination, visualizing, meditating, those things can be negative. Like in the days of, of Noah, it says in, in chapter uh, 6 verse 5 that the meditations of their hearts were evil continuously. Wow. 
you ever see the movie Noah? This more recent one? What was the actor's name? Russell Crowe. In the, they try to depict what the village, what the city looked like that he lived in. The debauchery, debauchery, the, the chaos, the, the total anarchy of no governance, no just raping and looting and murder and drunken orgies and just absolute chaos. They try to capture it. And I remember sitting in that movie watching and thinking, wow, is that what that scripture means? That the imaginations of their heart were evil continuously. Then we get Abraham. God appears to him and says, Look up at the stars. That's what your descendants are going to be like. Look at the sand on the seashore. That's what your descendants are going to look like. And in Hebrews 12, 11 verse 12, it confirms that Abraham became a father of a nation, outnumbering the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky. You know why? Because Abraham had to have something to put in his mind. When God said, I'm changing your name, and you are going to be the father of a great nation. He gave him something to picture, something to imagine. And, and Abraham would be walking through the sand and looking at all, this, all these grains of sand, and he'd remember the promise. His wife is barren. She can't have a child. When she heard this promise, she burst out laughing. But he kept on looking at the sand. And then at night, he'd look up at the stars. And he'd see just a myriad of billions of galaxies and trillions of stars. And he would say to himself, God, promise me. He was able to see in his mind what he didn't see with his natural eyes. And he gets commended in Hebrews 11 as being one of the champions of faith. Faith needs something to see. Or else it's just a shotgun approach. Joseph had a dream. God can give you a picture in your imagination through a dream where you see sheaves bowing down and, and you know somehow God is speaking to you about your future. He just didn't have much wisdom when he went and told all his brothers that they were going to bow to him. He could have held that one back a little bit. There is wisdom when God gives you a prophetic word. But the word, he focused in his mind. Elijah, he saw the prophets of Baal being destroyed, and they were destroyed. But a few days later, he's under a little tree in a fetal position, sucking his thumb, saying, God, kill me, God, kill me. Jezebel's coming for me, Jezebel's coming for me. She's going to surely destroy me. Are you, man, are you like bipolar, Elijah? I mean, one minute you're like, yes, yes, the fires of God. Yes, destroy the... And then a few minutes later, you What happened? He changed the picture in his imagination. And it ran away from him and it wrecked havoc in his life. Are you like that sometimes? You just begin to picture something and then that picture becomes worse. And then like it's just, you know, you hear like a, a squeak outside. But then it's like a whole army coming with machetes and chumbox to fix you up. And, you know, it's kind of one picture grows into another picture and you go outside and it's just a cat trying to get in through the window. But our minds, what it becomes our reality. What are we incubating? What are we meditating on? David is a good example. 
in 1 Samuel 17, he uses the words, I see your head coming off, Goliath, and I see the birds of the air having a feast. He saw it. But a little bit later in his reign, he's standing in his rulership as king. He's standing looking out a window when his soldiers had gone to war, and he sees one of the handmaidens bathing on a rooftop. And his imagination shifted. Okay, pull that imagination in now. Pull that in. Don't stay there. Don't go there. And he began moving in the direction of what he's been thinking about. On the one hand, it was a victory over Goliath. You see, nothing happens in our life accidentally. We don't wake up one day and go, oops, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe I did that. Did I really take that 50 rand out the till? Oh, I can't believe I would have done that. No, no, some seed got into your brain and started to germinate. I remember my pastor in, in Hatfield once telling us as pastors a situation he'd found himself in where a lady had walked in, closed the door behind her, and said, Pastor Ed, I'm so in love with you. I just need to tell you I'm so in love with you. And on top of his voice, he said, Woman, get out of my office and close the door behind you. Not, really, when did this start? Come sit here and tell me your deep feelings and shame. And how did this happen? When, when, me, really? I, you know, I'm just a preacher. Why? Because for years and years, he'd made himself damage-proof. By rehearsing a story in his imagination was when that happens, this is how I react. Hello? We don't just suddenly wind up in a situation. It's been incubated and meditated in the dark room of our imagination. David cries out in Psalm 51, Lord, forgive me. And forgiveness came to him. And he was the greatest king. Israel ever had. In Numbers 13, when the spies went in to the promised land, we know this so well. I know you can quote it in your sleep. But just stick with me for a moment here. You had 10 spies who saw that the land was good to be taken. But two came back and said, we were as grasshoppers in our own eyes. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. The giants didn't see them as grasshoppers. Giants don't have to see you as grasshoppers while you're looking at yourself as a grasshopper. The devil doesn't have to look at you as defeated if you see yourself defeated. The devil doesn't have to make you feel condemned if you don't receive by faith the full righteousness of Jesus and fill a picture in your mind that as he is, so am I in this world. I am just as justified as Jesus was when he walked on this planet. If I don't take that by faith and believe it, I set myself up for other meditations. That's why we need this gospel to panel beat our heart over and over and over. Because we have a tendency to drift into legalism where we feel good about ourselves. I did this and I did that. and It's because I did this. Now God can do that. God doesn't need anything from you. He needed you to confess Him as Lord and Savior and you're a rotten, dead sinner. And then He needs you to walk by faith. Like in the words of Paul, it's no, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That is the confession of a believer. Not I'm a grasshopper. I'm dirty. I'm a fool. I'm stupid. The woman with the issue of blood in 
Mark 5, 27, also uses the words, and I saw Jesus. I knew if I could only touch, I would be changed. I would be healed. Where did the miracle start? Because there were a lot of people bumping into him. But he felt something happen when her faith, the Bible says, engaged him. And he says, your faith has healed you. Why does he say his faith has healed you? Because her faith made a demand. But if she hadn't seen it, she couldn't have believed it. You're not going to get anything in your life that you don't first see. And everything in your life right now is probably the result of the things you've seen. Don't feel bad. The future is more wonderful than the past. But let's be honest and take some responsibility. A big part of my life right now has a lot to do with what I was seeing five years ago. Oh, no, I didn't come to church to hear a message to make me feel guilty. No, it's not a message. hope you don't feel guilty. You can deal with that afterwards. Richard will pray for you. She pressed through. She saw it. When Jesus said in Mark 4, let's go to the other side. What was he doing? He was putting a picture in their minds. Jesus saw the other side. So what did he do? He went to sleep. What did they do? Instead of looking at the other side, what did they look at? The storm that came onto the boat. And when, he woke, when they woke him up, it says he was angry with the storm and rebuked it. wasn't as angry with the storm as he was angry with them. Because he just needed some sleep, man. You know how you feel when somebody wakes you up and you don't want to wake up? She was having a rest. She said, why didn't you guys take over? I told you. You see, their picture should have been their first step onto the other side. And God would have taken care of the rest. But their picture became, we're sinking, Lord. Aren't you worried for us? Aren't you concerned that we're going to die, that we're destroyed? Where's that area of your life right now where God said, you're going to the other side? And you got that picture, and you believed it in your heart, and you begin to say it, but the moment there's a little rustle in the trees and the wind starts blaming, blowing, then we run for cover because surely God has deserted us now. Come on, all of us. Many examples, even in, in natural life. I remember reading some years back about uh, Mrs. Uh, Disney, Walt Disney's wife. He he'd passed away before Disneyland had been constructed. And at the opening, ribbon-cutting ceremony, someone said to her, oh, I so wish Disney Walt was here to have seen this. And she said, oh, no, he did, long time ago. There's things you begin seeing. I remember Janet and I once, we're battling financially and standing in the bedroom and praying. We're looking out the window and we're praying. The money would fall out of the sky. We're praying and praying. And suddenly it occurred to me, we've got a big piece of land here. Why don't we build a house, sell it, and settle our bond? She agreed with me. We went through the process. We built a house. We sold it. We settled our bond. But where did the picture start? While we were praying, asking for God for wisdom, Suddenly a picture came into our mind. Hey, we've already got something. Let's use what we got. Instead of going somewhere and asking God to do something, let's just be good stewards of what we've got here right now. And then God will take care of the rest. What situation do you have to get out right now? 
It's not going to just help to go and read the Bible. Faith comes by the word. Faith comes by the word. Let me read Genesis to Revelations every week. You'll exhaust yourself. Faith doesn't come that way. Faith comes when you meditate in the word and you see it and suddenly you see yourself stepping into the pages and you go, yes, man, I'm crossing over to the other side. Jesus said we're coming through this. I'm stepping across. I'm not going to be suffocated in the storm. Come on. At least give the Lord a praise if you're happy. I say, God. Eyes of your faith. There are so many examples. I'm going to just for time. Oh, time is gone. I do apologize. Can I just give you two more verses? I really didn't realize the time. Sorry. Good. Okay. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. A powerful scripture. You know what loincloths are used for? The part of you that's reproductive. Gird up the loins of your mind is giving you a little hint about what the mind is capable of. It's capable of reproducing. It's capable of planting seed. And he says that's why you need to be careful what you think about. Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and because that's a, a nominative genitive, that can also be by the obedience of Christ. It can also be by, in other words, it's because of Christ's obedience. But irrespective of that, cast down. Who does the casting down? So when that thought comes, who's responsible to cast it down? When that thought of poverty comes, when that thought of disaster comes, when that picture of, I, I can't drive this car because I'm going to have an accident and you break out into sweat. I can't get onto an airplane because this airplane is definitely going to crash. I can't do this venture because I've just been a failure my whole life. Cast down those imaginations and those high things that exalt themselves, bring them captive to the obedience of Christ, to Christ's obedience. Oh, so much more here. Proverbs 10, 24. The fear of the wicked will come upon them. The thing you fear shall come upon you. But the desires of the righteous will be granted. Can you see negative imaginations and positive? Fear is a believing for something negative. Desiring is something in your heart that you've got. I desire. And delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Pretty much says the same thing. So I want to finish with this. Therefore I say to you, what things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Believe that you receive them and you have them. When you start believing, when you get them or before you get them. The prayer of faith, my friends, is that you believe you receive them and then you receive them. Without praying, without a clear picture of what I'm asking for as already done, I see myself walking through the front door of that home I'm praying for. I sit on the seat of that car I need for my business. I'm standing next to the person that's going to be the love of my life for the rest of my life. Until I stop just hoping 
with a big shotgun prayer and hit every bird except the one I was aiming at. I begin with laser-like meditation. I, I say, God, no, that's the one. That's it. That's it. I see that. I see the handle. I see that. I hear the sound of it. I know this is pushing some of you back to Yonki Chow's days of the fourth dimension. Maybe we need a little bit of that from time to time. Maybe we need a little bit of, until you see it, you can't believe it. And until you see it and believe it, you can't realize it. You can't achieve it. You can't get there. Because as long as we're filling our minds with, I can't, I can't, I tried before and it didn't work, you're going to be failing and failing. But when you come to a stage where you say, I see it in my mind, I receive it now by faith as if it already happened, then your prayer goes to a new level. For your family. Maybe there's a, a cloud just the size of a man's hand, but you're saying where there's a little cloud, there's going to be more provision coming just around the corner. Prof, Lord, open the prophet's eyes that he can see greater are those for us than those who are against us. When it looks like what you're doing is just come to a dead end street, you say, Lord, you said I'm going to the other side. I receive now what I'm praying for and I'm believing in this country. I believe this. In my business, I believe this. In my church, I believe this. In my finances, I believe this. God wants you to be generous on every occasion. But he wants you to have your needs met. And how can you be generous if you don't have your needs met? So we know it's the will of God for you to prosper. But until we step out by faith and not by sight, it can never be achieved. Now come on, church. This is something worth believing today. In our community, do we see a difference? Because when we're praying for our community, if they're just vain words, it means nothing. I was so encouraged last Sunday, really prompted. We don't do it every Sunday, but called out people to commit their lives to Jesus, and a whole crowd came out here to the front. And there were some folk who were really at their rope's end. And they haven't had access to hygiene for months or maybe years, and they're just on the outers, and there are one or two here standing, one right towards the end here. And, you know, in the natural, we could look at that and say, yeah, there we go again. You know, of course, they would come out to the front because, you know, there's nothing else for them to do. And, oh, I yawn, and I wonder how my turkey's doing in the oven. Time to go home. This preacher really went over time this morning. Or maybe it was the musicians, I don't know. Or maybe it was the, the prayer front, I don't know. I try to stick to my half an hour, I promise. Or maybe it was Richard. But somebody comes to me after the service and says, you know when I saw the guy at the end, the really dirty guy that obviously hasn't had hygiene in many years, I was reminded of the testimony of Steve Lungu. Do you remember Steve Lungu? And I remember how God took the life of someone living, sleeping under a bridge, full of drugs and anger and hate. And something in me said, what if this is the next Stephen Lungu? Come on now. Now, now. now, that's a very different way of looking at something. That's a very different way of looking at something. And I challenge you this week. Come on, you've got to change the picture in your mind. You've got to change your imaginations. Our imaginations can't be deprived and de disposed and dependent and 
disappointed and demon-possessed and any other D you can think of out there. Our imaginations have to rise up to a new place of expectancy, exaltation, elitation, if there's such a word. You need to be delighted in the Lord with all your heart, and He will give you the desires of the heart. Come on, let's stand up together. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for myself. I want to pray for us as a people. If, one of, if the first reason we come together on a Sunday is to have something to believe in with fellow believers, we know what our faith is as a noun. But what about our faith as a verb? How are you doing in your believing? How are you doing in the imaginations of your mind? Are they wicked continuously or are they kingdom orientated? You get to decide. Set your mind on things above, not the things on the earth, for your life is hidden in Christ. So right now, Lord, I just want to pray for us as a family of believers. We came here for a purpose today. And one of those, Lord, was that we are fellow believers, that we are in agreement with this word, that we need our minds renewed. We need our minds renewed to see the way you see. Help us, Lord, as we meditate on your scripture, for your scripture to come to life and change the way we believe. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. And thank you for being with us today.